the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome to the last hour of the George Show right here on Friday, last day of the first full week of January 2024. We get replaced by Charlie Kirk for a couple hours, and then we get a little DP from noon to 2. And then from 2 to 4, we get Seb Gorka. And then 4 to 7, uh, Brandon Tatum. He's going to be on the radio here. And then we'll join you live and local again next Monday, 6 to 10 a.m. Over the weekend, of course, you know, you've got Jimmy and Randy and Dr. Dunn. You got a guy named Pete Boyles. I mean, you just have a whole bunch of options for local over the weekend as well. Uh, now, listen, the topic that we've been talking about, and I got to tell you, man, I, I uh, looked at a little social media here, just kind of seeing what's going on as we're having this show. You know that we have an impact here in the metro area as a talk radio show. When your detractors are commenting on the substance of your show on social media. When the people that don't like you and don't even like this radio station are listening in and commenting on it, you know you're having an impact. And when we talk about this topic here today, that's why we do it. We want to have this conversation, and we need to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what can be put in place, what can't be put in place. And if you're just tuning in, what we're talking about here is, you know, yesterday – you know, we could talk about the national stuff all the time, right? Like there was a town hall with Nikki and Ron. and I, um, It's not that that isn't important. But the thing that, that occupied my mind last night and throughout the day was this mass shooting at this school in rural Iowa, about 25 miles away from Des Moines, when a 17-year-old walked into, a, I think it was a grade school in the community, armed with a shotgun and a handgun and murdered a 12-year-old or 11-year-old murdered a sixth grader, shot three other students, and shot a couple times at least uh, the principal, and then uh, took his own life. And this hits close to home for anybody who's said goodbye to their kids at the beginning of the school day with the belief, the faith, that they're going to pick them up at the end. And so I want to continue to have a conversation when these pop up about what now? What's the solution now? I can tell you this. All the solutions that we have tried thus far in the state of Colorado since Sandy Hook and Aurora would not have prevented this thing from happening in Colorado. In fact, none of those solutions would have prevented any of the mass shootings that I've handled here in Colorado. So we can focus on, well, it's the guns, it's the guns, it's the guns. It's a conversation we have to have. We have to have that. But we also have to acknowledge that that's not the core issue here. There are short-term and long-term solutions to this. And I've had people text and say, hey, we need to harden the target. Okay, I get it. I agree. We need to have SROs. I'm a big proponent and big believer in SROs. And if you come from a part of the community where you're like, well, having cops in the school is the, uh, it's the pipeline to prison. One, provably false and garbage, but that's a perception you have to deal with. Two, the absence of SROs is the pipeline to the ground. It's the pipeline to the grave. That's what we've seen. Remember the kid that frisking down there at uh, up in Denver who pulls out a gun and shoots the, the people trying to frisk him, the school administrators? Come on, man. 
So then we talk about mental health. That's a real issue, man. There's no easy fix to this, but I want to have these conversations. For me, the long-term solution for this is we've got to acknowledge what we've done as a society to the concept of life and the value we give it. This uh, Colorado who has, I, I think, ballpark, most liberal abortion law in America, maybe the world. Maybe the world that can't help. Right. Like when you tell people that if you change your mind at the last moment, that you can go ahead and end a life that minutes later would have been born and receive some version of rights. When you tell them that when you say that the value of a human life is really dependent upon what some other person thinks about it, it sends a message. When you're one of these right wing kooks who goes out on social media and says we need to see people swinging from the gallows or, you know, Joe Biden is guilty of treason and he needs to be put. When you start talking like that, that sends a message. So for me. We're broken as a society, not unfixable, but we're broken, but we have to have a serious conversation about the conversations We have to have serious conversations about conversations. What a boob. We have to have serious conversations about the real issues that have over a period of decades degraded the value we place on life. I mean, it's just easier to commit violence against another person who offends you in traffic or in line waiting for something because they don't matter. They're irrelevant. They're not the product of some sort of divine spark. They're just some other amalgamation of cells that has offended you or disrespected you. Why wouldn't you visit violence upon them? You know, you combine that with the fast food mentality that Americans have on every damn issue. I mean, Ozempic is an example of that. If we can't scratch that itch immediately, we go crazy. And by God, we demand to scratch that itch. And if you tell me we can't, there will be you will trigger me. I mean, it's just things that are bigger, longer term, harder to change, but more important to change than just addressing guns. But we don't want to do it. What solutions can we talk about that might make a difference? 303-696-1971. I want to get to our calls. Rich, you've been super patient, man. Rich from Lakewood, you're on 710. What do you think? Hey, George. How you doing? Good, man. Okay. So... <clears throat> My thought, just some thoughts on the, at the high school level. You know, these things happen at a lot of different places and so forth. But uh, to me, you should focus on the problem, you know, that really has to be addressed, which is, you know, you've got a classroom full of students and somebody walks in with a gun. I mean, independent of what, you know, moral issues or psychological or family problems or whatever, ultimately it all ends up at that, at that point. And, uh, you know, the only case that I'm aware of where the number of victims was minimized was when the students fought back. And, of course, it was a tragic situation, obviously, but I think it avoided a lot of additional victims that could have occurred in that case. Are you but, talking uh, about STEM? Right. I think it was STEM. Or, yeah. It was STEM. It was, it was Kendra Castillo and uh, a bunch right, of other good folks, right. Brandon Biley and exactly. Josh and all these other guys, yeah. And my other thought is, you know, by graduation day, most of the seniors are actually adults. So you've really got a large number of adults in that school 
And uh, I think, you know, if you combine, if you looked at non-lethal defense type techniques that could be, let's say, taught in gym class, maybe have a requirement that, uh, you know, the kids be uh, aware that, um, you know, if you're going to hide under your desk and wait to get shot as opposed to fighting back with, you know, whatever. I know there are actually some uh, new weapons out there. I mean, they're, they're like guns, but they actually don't kill you. You know, they shoot uh, rubber balls or things like that, you know, that disable someone. And, uh, you know, some kind of training that's done at the school level like that um, probably would make the kids maybe even feel a little bit safer because, hey, we know how to react. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Just some thoughts. I think those are, that's a great short term solution for when we realize, hey, we we can't stop this from happening. How do we make the targets more resilient uh, or capable of resistance? I think there's something to that, Rich, but but there's got to be a longer term solution to it. And I don't think you can focus on one to the exclusion of the other. But one of the things that you mentioned when you highlighted STEM, I hadn't thought about this. Isn't it interesting? That the hero, one of the heroes in that classroom, and there were five, probably more than that, but five for sure heroes, that the guy that started it off, the guy that traded his life for everyone else's, was a devout Catholic. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason it happened, but I'm saying there's something to the idea that this guy was brought up in a home that had a different value on human life. This is also a kid, by the way, and this is the untold story of STEM too. Every single person that took heroic action that day against the two gunmen had familiarity with guns. Every, I mean, hell, the teacher was a concealed carry holder, and she's out there choking out the 16-year-old transgender with the handgun trying to shoot everybody. All of these people, Brendan Biley, Kendra Castillo, Josh Jackson, they all had some familiarity with it, too. So maybe as part of your training, you're talking about that kind of thing, too. Let's demystify and de-scarify these firearms so that when evil shows up with them, these guys can act. Yeah, sure. And I'm, you know, I'm not suggesting that the seniors carry actual firearms. Oh, no, no, I'm not. But I'm saying, but I'm saying uh, at that age, they're adults and they should be able to carry some of these non-lethal issues and you know you could even uh, scatter them throughout the various classes in a high school you may have a couple seniors uh, sit in on each class part of their uh, you know senior uh, training or uh, whatever you want to call it education uh, and uh so you'd have uh, some people at least that hopefully would be any, well trained actually you know through gym cl- I think gym class is still required in school and, uh, of course, the athletes would be ideal candidates uh, for people that would be, you know, like a, a cadre of uh, 50 or 100 uh, students that would be um, uh, mostly uh, would be adults and, and trained to uh, fight back in these situations. Because, like I said, that's I think I'm the only situation where I know that, uh, that it worked. You know, in terms yeah. of high school. Now, I don't know, of course, grade school and so forth. No, what, yeah, what you look you at different issues there, but uh, but a lot of these uh, shootings occur at the high school level. So that might that might be a thought. So I don't know. Maybe the law you would pass would be a law requiring uh, all kids uh, starting at the junior age or whatever 
and gym class to be trained in these techniques or something. I mean, it's uh, we used to climb ropes and do all other kinds yeah, of did. stuff. You're right. You know, we, I mean, uh, it was a different level of, of vigorous kinetic kind of PE. Yeah, than you and other we, kids. That's yeah, well, we did uh, we did Indian wrestling and all this kind of yeah. good, good stuff. So you could you could train kids and uh, some of this kind of stuff. I think. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to do. So, Rich, thanks for anyway, the ideas. That's my yeah, thank you, and thanks for advancing <laughs> right. the conversation, my man. Happy New Year. Rich's line is open at three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one. About to grab up Marty and and Jacqueline. I got to tell you though about. Uh, our good friends at Ultra Botanica who have put out this Ultra Cur product. It is the all-natural curcumin-based. And by the way, don't just go to the getultranow.com website to research this. You can do that. Do some independent research on your own. I did. This curcumin stuff, pretty crazy, the positive impacts it has on your health. Well, these guys have taken it to the next level. It's like putting curcumin on steroids with this patented all-natural thing. It's antioxidant. It's anti-inflammatory. It has positive health benefits. Folks that have taken this, about half of them experience relief within 48 hours, half of that group within two. But here's the, here's the deal. You don't have to commit to buying it untested. Nope. Perfectly safe, perfectly healthy. Go to your natural grocers. Go find the vitamin manager and say, I'd like to have my three-day free supply. Only that way, by going to the vitamin manager, can you get that. And then say, hey, could I get one for a loved one or someone else I care about? They'll give you one more. And then you go try it. And then you go, dang, I do feel better with this. Billy and I have taken it. I've experienced the relief. You should, too. Check them out at getultranow.com. But go to the natural grocers and get to that vitamin manager. Listen, let's get right back to the uh, phone lines here. We've got Marty. You're on 710 KNUS. Marty, what do you think? Hey, George. Thank you so much. Sure. Good to be with you. Great topic. There's so thank many you. places to go here. Uh, you need a 10-hour show to really get into this Well, you're, you're stuff. right. You're right. There are too many issues to resolve here. But at least let's start this conversation. Yes. No, you're 100% right. And I have the perfect place for us to go to. Okay. We can cut out all the different ideas. And you're right. See, George, this is what sometimes gets me sideways on you because you were coming out of that break. You sounded very much like that's the kind of conservative voice we need. But when it came to holding Joe accountable, you don't want to go all the way yet. But let's set that one aside and go right to mental health. all the way is advocating for him to be put to death, you're not going to get me there, man. That's my point. And you would say the same thing about Trump, right? You would rebuke anybody trying to put Trump to death. Of course, sweet God, of course, yes. Okay. Okay, but that's the hostility on the left says, let's hang him, let's get this over with. But let's go right to the tragedy because – and I think I've posed this to you before, and if I've not, I I apologize because it must be put out there. If you are going to get rid of one of two things in society and say what will have the best impact for all, you've got to pick two things on the table, fentanyl and mail-in voting. You can get rid of one of them forever in America. Say that again. Which two? Mail-in voting and what was the other one? Fentanyl. You can can eradicate it from America today. Or you can eradicate mail-in voting for today. What has the greatest societal benefit for the average nobody? And the answer is very clearly mail-in voting because it goes right into why we have the LGBTQ community has become the most violent, aggressive, irrational, profound group in America. Tiny group, but protected by a group that is looking to destroy Hang on, America. Marty, and Marty George, let's, yeah. se- let's separate our disagreement with their philosophy. And so let's take the irrational part and put it on the shelf for a moment. Okay. Talk to me about what evidence there is that they are the most violent group out there. I just don't okay. see evidence of it. Okay, well, A, if you want to talk mental illness and you're choosing to, 
I guess, remove the LGBTQ mentality from mental illness, we have a problem. Those two are linked at the hip. You can't make the distinguishing that a 50-year-old man can wake up one day and say, I think I'm a woman. That is, okay, you call it whatever you want. I like call it rational or at least um, not sound science because we know that no man well, has but, ever birthed well, Marty, a woman. Well, Marty, to, to we your point, for, for the moment, Marty, uh, gender dysphoria is a legit thing. The DSM-5 categorizes it. But, but what do you say to just, you said LGBTQ, lesbians, gays, okay, bisexuals, so yes, are they mentally beautiful. ill? Well, I would call it that, but for that conversation, well, for the conversation that you and I are having, let's not call it mentally ill because I think it is triggering you a little bit. Not, but what not I'm triggering me, I just think it's unprovable. Um, hmm. Okay, how about this? Set aside that. Let's, I'm going to okay. call it deviant behavior. Deviant behavior, but mm -hmm. let's do this. So, so check it out. So there's one party in America that is, has been, and you have to admit, George, yeah. okay, over the past three years, LGBTQ, um, gender dysphoria, that has become... A greater theme in America or a lesser theme? I think the answer is obvious. It's a greater theme, right? And you have to understand the party that was in power that has made this now catapult. So when you say, where's the evidence? Where's the, where's the prognosis of mentally ill or irrational or dangerous? Well, let's go back to Tennessee and all the efforts that they've made to hide the manifesto. And what does that manifesto say from Audrey Hale, the trans, a yet another trans person? Well, it talks about the killing of Christian children, white children, the hate for white people. And that was protected by our own FBI, our own law enforcement agencies yeah, but, to cover and, and Marty, the I mental see, illness. I, I see we what are you're again. saying about that individual. Don't know the work, don't know the person. If that's what they're saying, of course it's evil and it's wrong. But that is not emblematic of this entire community. I mean, do you have friends that are gay, that are part of the LGBTQ community? Do you have friends that fit that definition? Um, gosh, it's okay. Yes, it's hard. They're, 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 they're not, say, friends, meaning because unless I can call that person to the light, to the truth, you're really not supposed to be in bed hanging out with them because guess what, George? They're going to call you to their darkness if you can't bring them yeah, out. But, of so I on, think homosexual is deviant behavior. I think it's deviant Marty, behavior. I appreciate what you're saying criminals. about that, but let's be honest. You're not called to insulate yourself with like-minded thinkers and Christians. You're called upon to where you can make a difference in someone else's life. And if you think Fair. what they're doing is wrong... Uh, keeping you from interacting with them, that, that's not Christian either. But my point is this. I have friends who are who fit the LGBTQ thing. I've represented clients who fit that bill. They're not out there trying to kill children. They're not out there engaging in the evil stuff. And I think we get distracted, one, if we don't acknowledge whatever's going on with these shooters on an individual basis. But, two, I, I think we're, we're getting distracted from a real cure if we try to drill down on that as what's causing all this. Because I'll tell you what, the Aurora Theater shooter... He was an LGBTQ. No. The 18-year-old no. leader of the STEM shooter, he was an LGBTQ. Um, sure. Mountain Vista, Arapaho, Columbine High School, ain't none of those shooters LGBTQ. In fact, the one thing they have in common other than Mountain Vista, they're all white dudes. That's the common denominator. Totally fair. T totally fair. Totally fair. And I'll just say it like this, and I think it's, it's good because we're, we're talking about the uncomfortable stuff, and that's the most important thing is however we get it out there, it gets out there. The societal rot, though, that you're talking about, George, you, you know what that is? That's when leaders of society have given up on their people and have turned them over to self-destruction. And I would just put this out for you and your listeners, and I'll let the line go and, and yeah. appreciate the time, is, <clears throat> you know, if your kid was a 16-year-old heroin addict living at home behaving as a drug addict, 
I think 99 out of 100 parents would be doing everything they could in their power. They would see it, address it, want to deal with it. But when it comes to this LGBTQ mental illness side of things that we don't, we're, we're hiding it in the closet. We're stuffing it in the closet. But it's just as dangerous as self-destruction, LGBTQ and transgender. That is self-destructive behavior, just like the heroin addict. And we have to treat them the same or we just go on and on, George. So appreciate the time. God bless everybody. Have a good day. Thanks, Marty. I appreciate it. Listen, provocative phone call. Um, I just don't agree with any of the LGBTQ stuff. I just think if we focus on that and try to suggest that they're, and that was the part I asked them about, the more violent, the more prone, that's not it. If that's a vehicle to them committing the crime because maybe it was the product of some argument of bullying or some medications or treatment or mental, we have to have that conversation. But let me tell you, there was a 16-year-old transgender um, killer at STEM and their transgenderism had not a single thing to do with the shooting. And there was no bullying. There was no evidence of bullying at all. That 16-year-old was manipulated by their best friend, the 18-year-old who was the, the cheerleader, the organizer for this whole thing. So, listen, I want to have the conversation, but that ain't it, man. It ain't the LGBTQ thing. Honestly, if you look statistically, what you're going to find is white dudes. White dudes are mass shooters. White dudes go into schools and kill children. Something about it. Don't know what it is, but it's something we got to explore. Does it mean they're 100%? Nope. But I'd be willing to bet for whatever numbers are out there, white dudes lead the way. 303-696-1971 is the number. Jacqueline, of course, we're going to get to you. Our good friend from Nebraska, Joe from Aurora, of course, we'll get to you too and any other calls at 303-696-1971. want to tell you about Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic. Uh, these are the good folks that are willing to change your life. We talked about with Marty about the hard-to-talk-about uncomfortable topics. Listen, if you're a guy of a certain age and your body is starting to make those changes, my God, women deal with the whole thing with menopause and they're changing. You can't stop it. It's going to happen at some point. It's part of life. Same thing with the testosterone stuff. If you're interested in addressing that. Not ignoring it, not pretending you're going to nutrition your way out of it. If you're interested in really dealing with it, getting back some of that energy, that spring in your step, the better sleep. I mean, the sleep thing has been haunting me for 14 years now. Um, then you want to call up the Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic at 720-440-7900. 720-440-7900. is the first visit, but here's the deal. They're going to give you the T-test, the PSA test. If you sign up with them, that $99 just gets folded into the cost of the rest of the treatment, so in essence becomes free. If you want to know if you're a good candidate for it, go to their website, RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Take the 10-question, two-minute quiz, and then move forward with making your life even better. When we come back, Jacqueline, Joe, the other callers, the other text. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710K and U.S. Going right back to the phone lines. Jacqueline from Sydney, Austra- Nebraska. It's, it's you on 710. What's going on? I wish on? it was Australia. That would be oh, awesome. George, bless your heart, hon, this morning. I tell you, I don't even know where to begin. Every one of your callers today was right on spot. In their own way, they've made a list. A, a huge list of what's going wrong in this country. Now, I want to remind everyone, in the 1800s, after the Civil War, a lot of homes, men, a huge amount of men never came home. And there was home, homes across this country that had women raising children. 
Second World War, same thing. Men didn't come home. There was a lot of homes in this country that were raised by women. Their families raised these children. Vietnam, the same way. Now, the only difference back then, and I'm going to say from the 1800s to 1900s up to probably, I'd say, 2000, is every single one of those homes, and I would bet, bet you this, if they had it, had a Bible in that home. If they didn't have a Bible, the women prayed, the children prayed. If they could go to church, they went to church. Children need to know right and wrong. And all through history, we've had Judaic Christian values that we had to go by. Why in the world do you think now that this, I'll say this White House and what's going on now has fought every church has fought every decent Christian value, and why do you think they pump and promote perversion? I don't know. I mean, is that the longer-term solution then? I mean, I, I get. I, I don't think religion can be the answer to all of it. I do think our idea of morality and values is part of this thing. Um, but All right. Now, let me ahead. ask you. Children that grow up, and, and there's homes that don't have a Bible in it. There's children that never went to, to, to church. Maybe they didn't have the right influence. Maybe they did, they didn't. They had someone in their lives, George, that gave them some kind of moral compass. And it doesn't mean that you were, grown, you were raised in a home without a father uh, that makes you good or bad, because I know a lot of people that didn't have fathers. I knew a lot of kids I grew up with, their father died in Vietnam. But there was, there was a mother or there was a family member or there was a teacher in their lives, someone of influence, that set them on the right path. The Ten Commandments, we all know you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't bear fault witness. It's called the Ten Commandments for a reason. It was given to man to behave. Now, when you don't have that, and I heard this Rush Limbaugh say this years ago, 30 years ago, I think it was, that if you have a society that doesn't have those moral values, call them whatever you want, you have a lawless society. Now, you have a governor, and I won't call him what I think he is, but he has done nothing about crime in Colorado. He actually has aided and abetted it. And you've got a huge problem right now with these illegals coming in. What are, what's Colorado going to do, George, when these people don't get what they want and they start taking it? You've got a huge problem besides the school shootings. I mean, it's going to start, and I don't know. I don't know what the solution is going to be. I don't either. I mean, out in Nebraska, uh, what do you guys do? You guys have SROs in the school as the short-term solution. I mean, is there a? We, yes, we do have people in the schools, and there's always law enforcement crews in the schools. But we don't have big schools like you've got in no. Colorado. This is a small community, but you've got, you know, it used to say a community raises a child. That is the truth. Well, you've got to be on your guard. This thing that happened in Iowa, my understanding is it was a little more rural. It was about 25 miles away from Des Moines. So they're probably looking at a situation much like you have. I mean, when you hear law enforcement seven minutes away, you're like, oh, dear God, do you know how much evil can be wrought in seven minutes? But there's no way short of And this is the other thing we need to know about this situation. Did they have an SRO there? I don't know the answer. Maybe it's already out there. I just haven't seen it. Was there an opportunity for somebody in or near the school to take some sort of decisive action that would have ended this? I, I don't know. But those are some other things that have to be part of the conversation. Those aren't long-term solutions. Those are real short-term solutions. But the stuff you're talking about with the morality piece, that will be the most sensitive and the most um, the most debated, but we should have the debate, right? Like for some, it will be, 
hey, you can never put religion back in schools. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just suggesting we've done the, a 180 on that. We have taken schools now well, and used them to destroy religion with kids. That's well, what we've they done. do, and I'll tell you, they, they do need uh, security guards. They do need law enforcement in the vicinity of all those schools, especially Colorado, especially these big schools. Even this small school here, if there was something out, and there's a bunch of us that have uh, of, have um, – radios that we can listen their police bands that we can listen to you asked me one time if i would give somebody if someone was coming through my door if i would give them a warning you know i would respond to that because i have a concealed carry and probably half of this community does i would respond to that and i don't think i'd wait to ask this young man to put his gun down if i saw some boy or girl shooting up the school i'm not going to give them of course of course of course of course um Jacqueline, as always, great call. I love that you listen. Uh, I, I, too, wish you had the opportunity to spend some time in your sister city out there in Australia. But uh, until then, man, keep listening and keep calling in. I love kangaroo meat. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, God, I love our listeners. 710K in U.S. Uh, Jacqueline's line is open. 303-696-1971. Joe from Aurora. You're on 710K in U.S. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I think these kids need adversity training. Uh, I mean, compared to, you know, I'm, I'm 37 right now compared to what, you know, like I see my nephew and whatnot, like the stuff he goes through and the stuff, you know, I went through as a kid. I mean, standing up to your bully should be one of the things that people should do. I, I mean, I know people don't, I'm not advocating for violence, but you know, getting through that adversity, it, you know, teaching the kids how to get through the adversity because. They get to a boiling point and they don't know how to handle it, so they go off the deep end. You know, that's interesting, too, this idea that this may be the product of adversity. It could be as big as bullying. It could be as small as just some sort of adverse life event that doesn't rise to that level. That's interesting, too. Have you seen such training deployed there in public schools anywhere? I, no. And mo- you know, my, my nephew got picked on. Uh, it was uh, Cherry Creek School District, yeah. and, you know, they brought it up to – I mean, he he stuck up for himself because, you know, his grandpa and his uncle, you know, told him, hey, defend yourself, you know, like (laughs) in in some sort of fashion, like don't let people pick on you. So it boils over. Uh, But, uh, you know, most most of the time when they bring up issues to teachers and uh, counselors and it, it, it just gets ignored. It goes in one ear and out the other. And that that has to do it. That that's a big staff issue. Now, as far as, like, security of a school, I think all schools, all entrances should have uh, monitored access control with cameras. And if they're public schools, I mean, at some degree, you know, maybe maybe they start having law enforcement monitor. Like, they have those monitors in the, the parking lots, like your King Supers and stuff like that. Monitor the outside. I mean, if, I, I don't know. There's no, no real solution to suggestions in my eyes no no listen i I think this is a great suggestion and it's one that is not gonna what i appreciate is you don't say this is an end-all be-all one-size-fits-all solution it's not but is it part of the problem that can be addressed it is it is kids not having the ability to deal with failure or adversity is a big deal resilience matters joe thanks so much for the phone comment and one more thing if you don't mind no no go right um or two more things yeah well the wussification like, parents need to <laughs> – I don't know what it is. I'm not a parent personally, but, you know, like the kids are taught to not uh, – I don't know. 
And then last thing I have, uh, Eric Manning for an afternoon show. <laughs> you know, that would be something, buddy. That would be grab popcorn while you're driving home. Listening oh, yeah. Right Get there. his burritos. <laughs> have a good one, man. Thanks, Joe. Happy New Year, man. 303-696-1971. Joe's line is open. Let's go to Jim from Morrison. Jim, you're on 710. Hey, Jim. Hello, Jim. Jim, maybe you didn't think we'd uh, get to you, but uh, we have. And I I don't know if you're being held hostage, hopefully not at gunpoint. Hey, Jim, you're there. Jim, you're on 710. What do you think? Hey, George, one of, I, I'm a couple years older than you, and I grew up over on the You're 40? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, from day one of driving to school, I had a shotgun and a... And a rifle in my hmm. truck but that's just times are different but what what i think is a big part of this is they don't let kids fight anymore tell me about that tell me what you're talking about and why you think it would be a solution or a partial solution my son he's 30 now but his senior year in high school that he was at a basketball game and got mistook by somebody else from a different school yeah. and fouled this kid. And my son's buying a Pepsi out of the Coke machine, and a kid came up and waylaid him. The principal Ooh. saw it. Wow. My kid turned around and finished it. They suspended my kid, even though the mm. principal said, that she basically said he should have rolled up into a ball. Did, did the other kid get suspended, the one back. who initiated it and all that? He was at a different school. He was from a different school. So, But so no, the cops didn't get called? Nothing like that? No, I live out east. Man, that just, but, se- that just seems like an injustice there. I mean, you always ought to have the ability to defend yourself without consequence. Well, and, and the, the principal said, you know, he should have rolled up into a ball. And I said, if he would have done that, I would have beat his butt. But... Do, I just, I, do you think, I think then that, that the willingness and ability to resolve some situations like that would have somehow changed situations like what we saw in Iowa or even things we've seen here in Colorado? Talk me through that. I do because, I mean, there's always going to be bullies, and most of them don't fight very well. It's interesting. So you think if this guy, if this was the product of bullying, or maybe some other one was the product of bullying, if they had the ability to solve this uh, more hands-on, literally, uh, more kinetically, that 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 might have been the outlet they would have chosen instead of trying to go to something lethal? I think it's something to look at. I mean, get a boxing match going on. I mean, do some wrestling. If, if, If somebody wants to fight give let them let them do it productively but i mean let them box yeah there's i think there's something to that too that we have um we've created an environment where everybody is so physically and emotionally fragile you're talking about a different kind of resilience i don't know if that's the right answer i sure don't want there to be more school fights but there is something no, to be said either. for for a, a culture that has made us just, or made some generations just so fragile, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, Jim, thanks for the and, phone call, man. Have a happy new year. I appreciate you calling in, buddy. Jim's line is open at 303-696-1971. Going to cut away for a break, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. I'll tell you about a case that's going to come to resolution today up in Adams County. It's one we've talked about a bunch before, but not until I tell you about Gay Ribble with the Empower Home team at Keller Williams. Uh, they are magicians at finding a way to get you top dollar for your house in the timing that you need and then getting you into that dream house where everybody's trying to get it. I talked about an article I read just last night, actually this morning, in in the Gazette. Great place for news. And they talk about the real estate market looks like it's starting to heat up. Realtors are starting to get excited about 2024. If they're getting excited, that means they're getting interest. That means the prices on the homes you're trying to get into are going to go up. So it's not just the interest rates you're battling. You're battling limited supply with increased competition for those houses. Get the experts on your side who can help you get top dollar for your house and get you into that dream house. And that's the Empower Home team at Keller Williams. You can find them and a whole bunch of free information that just makes you a better consumer at sellwithcertaintycolorado.com. Sellwithcertaintycolorado.com. But I'd give them a call. Great people. Super nice. Customer service is their calling card. 833-301-SOLD, 833-301-SOLD. When we come back, we'll wrap up with whatever texts and phone calls that we have, and I'll tell you about this case and how it's going to, well, how it could resolve later on today. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, right here in the jungle at 710 KNUS, finishing up the uh, last segment of the last hour of the last show of the first full week of 2024. Uh, today, uh, Aurora, former Aurora police officer Randy Rodema is going to be sentenced for his role in uh, killing Elijah McClain way back in 2019. That thing finally came to court. If you'll recall, he was tried with another officer named Jason Rosenblatt, who was fully acquitted of the charges leveled against him, as was a guy named Nathan Woodyard, who is still an Aurora police officer uh, with a separate jury. And then just recently, two paramedics were convicted, I believe, of criminally negligent homicide as well. This will be the first sentencing of those who were uh, convicted. And the question is, what's going to happen? First off, understand that these were all lesser charges than what was pursued. The AG's office was trying to pursue some type of bigger mandatory prison sentence. None of that stuff happened. Manslaughter was rejected by the jury, but they did hold him accountable for the killing of Elijah McClain through criminally negligent homicide. It is a non-mandatory prison uh, sentence, which means you can get probation. He could, both the charges, the assault charge, the misdemeanor assault charge in this, he could walk right out of the courtroom sentencing for those things. It is a one to three year non-mandatory sentence. Understand that the the lightest thing that would could happen is he walks out of there on probation on both charges. The, the heaviest thing that could happen is he gets three years in the Department of Corrections. Let's talk about that part. Three years in the Department of Corrections because we don't have truth in sentencing here in Colorado. It's a nonviolent felony. And because nobody on the planet Earth can tell you the minimum amount of time this guy would serve in prison before he would be paroled, our best guess, and I'm including DOC in this. They don't know either. Best guess is that this guy would be parole eligible at about a year and would likely be transitioned or starting the transition to community corrections well before that. So even if he were to get the maximum sentence, my guess is dude isn't inside prison for even a year. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee. I just think that's pretty much what happens. This dude has no criminal history. I think the other thing that could happen is 
the judge could say, I'm going to give you probation, but I'm going to give you jail as a condition. And that jail could be up to 90 days. It doesn't have to be in the gray bar hotel. It could be work release. I think that's unlikely, but that could happen. There could be in-home detention. I don't see that happening either. I think, you know, for Mark Warner, who was a prosecutor and a longtime judge up there in Adams County, and I think he ran some pretty damn good trials, knows what he's doing, knows how to run a case. I think this is a tough case. I think it's a tough case because if you wanted to give in to the mob mentality of the squeaky wheels out there, you max this guy out. You go, I'm sending you to prison for three years, and your justifications, things you'd have to weigh in anyway, are the fact that even though this guy has no criminal history— this guy has no prior bad conduct that we can see at all. Guy was in uniform with all the superpowers and mandated expected societal respect that come with that. And in getting this conviction from a jury, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, 12 people his team helped pick came to the conclusion that he owns responsibility, at least in part, for the death of this innocent young man. Well, you can't. You can't value Elijah McClain's life by locking up someone for a certain period of time. You have to value the conduct and the person who committed it. And it's just tough. I mean, it would it would be a tremendous gutsy act. I'm not saying the right one. I'm saying gutsy act for the judge to send this guy out the door on straight probation without incarceration. I think it would also be gutsy and equally unsupported to just send him to prison for the maximum amount of time. But what's this? What's the judge dealing with here? It's not just punishing him for this conduct. One of the other things that happens in sentencing is you try to send a message to society about how we value this conduct and this outcome. And if you don't get that many cases where police officers engage in, in felonious criminal conduct that results in the death of an innocent person, you do here. What do you do with that? Can such a person be let go and just walk out of the courtroom? I don't think so. I mean, I could be totally wrong, and I can't wait to hear what the arguments by each side are, and I can't wait to hear how the judge values those things. But I don't think so. I think that something has to happen here. But remember, the judge, too, has to consider this. There are two other people who led to the death of this young man more than this guy did. Even though the verdicts may look the same, the ketamine killed this guy, right? And now we're going to, we've now criminalized medical malpractice with these paramedics. And the question is now, what are you going to do to them? Because you kind of set the bar with this officer. Now, what do you do with the paramedics that are coming up? If you're the paramedics in this case, if you're uh, um, Kachuniak and um, Chikuniak and, um, God, is it Cooper? I totally forgot. You're sweating this one. If this guy gets a big sentence, you're in trouble. You are in real trouble. So it'll be very interesting to see how this thing plays out. That's the behind-the-scenes stuff you're just not going to get anywhere else. Maybe KDVR because they, they're going to interview me on this thing as well. But um, anxious to see how this thing turns out. And then, of course, whatever sentence he gets, the defense is going to say, well, Judge, we'd like you to stay the execution of that sentence pending appeal. And that could happen. We've seen that happen before. But that's tough too, man. How do you say what you did, in my opinion, is worth incarceration, but I have enough questions about my own rulings on this case that I think it might be overturned? I don't think so. I think the judge says no on the appellate bond if, if such a thing is asked. He's not required to give it. I think that happens. I think if the dude gets sentenced, we see him leave the courtroom today in cuffs. And if I had to bet, I'd bet that's what happens. Um, tragedy around, around the, the entire case, but damn, man. Innocent kid killed on the streets through no fault of his own. That's a tough one. Tough one to walk away from.
Hey, listen, we'll come back on Monday. We'll talk about that and so many other things. You guys have made this show great today. I think we've really done something good with the conversation. Let's try to keep this thing going next week. It's George Brockler on The George Show. You've been listening to 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.